And just like that, we are on episode three of the new season of your favorite Let's Talk Tech Op podcast. I'm your host, Rachna Nakra, and today I'm going to move the conversation from the home to the household. More specifically, household budgeting and financial planning. This conversation requires a specific kind of expertise. So we called upon Lavanya Mohan, who is a chartered accountant and favorite financial advisor to her many Instagram followers. With words like inflation and recession becoming a frequent part of the news cycle lately, we thought it would be the best time to learn the wisest ways to spend and save your money. We sought her opinion on buying and renting homes, how much to spend while decorating your home, investing in art, and a lot more. And when you listen to the podcast, you'll see that we got some very well-balanced and sage advice. So grab a notepad and pen and listen in. Okay, Lavanya, can you take us through all of the recent conversations around inflation and um, the fuel price rises that have happened globally as well as locally and how that is affecting the end consumer? Sure, sure. So life has become a lot more expensive lately, retail inflation, which basically refers to the price rise in consumer goods or the things that we buy to run a household has been hovering around the 7% mark. And there are a number of pretty complex reasons behind the mechanics of all of this. But uh, simply put, all of this can be attributed to the rising oil prices, right? Um, And the rising oil prices are also a consequence of like global volatility, like uh, the Russia-Ukraine war was a big reason. Um, And all of them have led to high oil prices and consequently high fuel prices. And anything and everything that needs to be manufactured requires fuel right so all of that has directly impacted the cost uh, to produce the things that we need to buy and so all of them have become more expensive and generally um, inflation has been growing at like a pretty um, rapid pace which kind of explains all the interest hikes that have been happening but yeah this is quite unprecedented isn't it what's been happening uh recently yeah no one predicted a war right um and also russia is a very important oil producer um and because of the um tariffs etc that the european union put on russia uh the sanctions that they put on russian and russia and russian oil um the prices of everything have just shot up so uh there's like very complex global politics that's happening at a very unprecedented scale like no one expected any country to go into war at this point in time i think especially after like a global pandemic so it's just been one battering after the other so then let's get to the nitty-gritty tell me what are the essential elements of a household budget it's a very basic question but i think it's it's better we discuss this before we get into the other questions absolutely absolutely so uh when it comes to household budgeting it's about what comes in and what goes out right like uh i try to bring it down to the absolute binary like how much money are you bringing in to the house and how much is going to go out so the way i kind of uh, try to explain or define the what comes in bit is income minus savings so the first thing you want to set out when you kind of draw your household budget out is to talk is to think about how much you want to save in the first place 
So let's say you're someone who wants to save 30% of your salary or your take home at all times. You want to ensure that the saving is accounted for first. That is the one thing I always tell people to not compromise on because it should never be like, okay, salary minus whatever expenses I have and then whatever's left over, I'll save. No, it's, it's far more efficient to say salary. This is how much I want to save and therefore this is how much I'll have left to spend. So that is kind of like the first thing you want to account for. Think about how much you want to save. Take that money out of the equation. Make sure it goes into wherever it's supposed to be saved and then look at what you have left. Then after that, I think it's pretty simple, right? Um, electricity, um, your fuel, if you drive a car or a vehicle, like whatever uh, money you're going to be spending on fuel uh, and uh, of course food and then whatever's discretionary, like whatever whatever's left over that you want to go eat out, whether you want to go and spend it on anything else. So another way to kind of look at this is to also look at it as fixed and variable. So your fixed expenses will be expenses that are going to hit you every month, irrespective of what's going on outside or irrespective of what you're feeling, right? That's your rent, your utilities, your internet, all of those expenses, which are very predictable and which are very regular. So those are your fixed expenses. So if you think about budgeting, the amount you want to save is easy to figure out. And these fixed expenses are also easy to figure out because it's not going to change much, right? So you're going to put that there. And then comes all your variable expenses. Like if you want to go eat out, do you, some of us have like an eating out budget or like a going out budget, right? Especially if you're young and you're living alone, uh, I would highly recommend having like a going out budget because that's usually where money slips. I say slips because sometimes you get up at the end of the month and you realize that you spent like an unnecessary chunk of money on just going out. And like when you're out with friends, you're not thinking about it, right, actively, because that kind of ruins you having a good time. The moment you get money anxiety when you're out, it, it ruins the whole evening and you're not thinking about it. Um, and I don't recommend you think about it either. Uh, but um, I think having a budget in mind or having a clear number saying, I am not going to spend more than 5,000 rupees this month on going out will kind of help you make sure that you are within that line. So you don't even go out, right? Like if, if you're constantly being called into plans, you can just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm stepping out of this. So that kind of helps you plan these outings better as well. So having without like a... The guilt. Having, yeah, without the guilt. Because... And, and also without the shock of like waking up and then going like, shit, I have nothing in my bank account. So... Um, yeah, the shock is actually usually at the end of the meal when a group yeah. of 10 people have gone out and yeah. <laughs> yeah. bill arrives. Yeah. And then it's also like the way we split bills is also something that we don't talk about. Because um, I've seen this happen a lot and it becomes like a kind of backside conversation where um, you're complaining about the way something happened when you could have prevented it all just by being clear at the time of settling. For example, if you're going out as a vegetarian, going out in the evening as a vegetarian, you probably had a couple of things. Everybody else is a meat eater. Meat dishes are obviously more expensive. And then when 10 people go out, there's this big amount and it's a 10-way split you do feel like, okay, like, I probably shouldn't be paying this much, but whatever. Like you're As a non-drinker, I usually feel as that a about non-drinker, the part Yeah, it. as a non-drinker, then you're totally screwed, right? If you're like a teetotaler hanging out for an evening. And of course, you're having a good time. But at the end of it, the bill does pinch. 
and just opening up and saying hey i didn't drink so let me just take care of my food part a lot of people don't say that like because they find that again this goes back to the first question you asked me about why we don't talk about money these are the things that get us uncomfortable when it shouldn't be ha- getting us uncomfortable i mean it is what it is right like you didn't drink so why should you be putting the bill for it um so these are all the things that happen and um, either you plan for it and say guys i'm not going to pay for this because i did not take up any part in this or you say hey i'm not coming out because you know that's a group that kind of doesn't agree to that argument or kind of doesn't see things the same way um so is it possible to prepare a household budget for an inflation um which expenses do you look at cutting out or reassigning so i would obviously uh, say that the discretionary expenses kind of like uh, go out first you don't want to compromise on what you eat uh you obviously can't compromise on like your rent and your electricity so i would say discretionary stuff like uh, one of the things that i often tell people is to look at their subscriptions uh every month so we all pay monthly subscriptions for netflix we pay for prime we pay for uh, spotify apple some some of us pay for dropbox that all of us like pay for so many subscriptions but a lot of the time you're not using them as much as you ought to be it's not like you're using things regularly or it's not like you're using things um all the time right for example if you pay for amazon prime you also get amazon prime music and you might be paying for spotify as well and then you might have both netflix amazon prime hotstar and a couple of other things but you end up watching only prime so what i would recommend if you're looking to cut down on things is to start with your subscriptions because we're all so used to it now and it's like okay 199 a month 200 a month but you have like 10 of them so um it sometimes it, it it's nice to like just take a step back and be like okay i'm not going to pay for these things let's see how that pans out and what you do realize is that you don't miss it at all and like, you don't just save money you save some time as well yeah and you don't miss it and you're like okay this is great um uh, because if you're watching youtube all the time if you're consuming content on youtube all the time you really need um netflix so do you really need another video streaming platform right like so um i would say definitely start with your subscriptions because that's where a lot of us um end up spending because it feels like a small amount but it all adds up uh next would be all your discretionary stuff you know right especially i think during the pandemic most of us had nothing to do other than scroll instagram and buy things or you know shop online and constantly you're bombarded with offers these days brands the moment they kind of um, get your attention they're chasing you everywhere right like you see something then you'll find it again on instagram these days you know people are joking about how you think of something and then it shows up as an instagram ad so uh, <laughs> uh i think it's it, it's just brands have found a way to also chase you and constantly be present uh i think it's all about identifying your triggers so when you know that something uh is going to hit us like when, when you know that some, when you know that inflation is kind of like uh, going to come and when you know that things are getting more expensive uh this is why budgeting is a great exercise because it forces you to take a step back and kind of look at all the things that you're spending on and the moment you kind of sit down with your credit card bill and kind of see where money is going you'll know what the triggers are and this is something a lot of us don't do it's it, it, 
just sitting down with your bank statement or sitting down with your credit card statement i know i have friends uh, and i know people who don't even open the credit card statement before paying it because they just don't want to know they just it's just like uh like i don't i, I don't want it i don't i don't want to see it you know um instead if you just like straight up just sit with it and it will be hard the first couple of times because you'll be like oh my god i'm such an idiot for spending what i did or i can't believe i spent that much money it the couple of uh, i think the first couple of tries will be hard but once you kind of get really comfortable with it um you'll find yourself a lot more conscious of what you're spending money on um in many ways like having a well balanced uh financial strategy or having having well balanced finances is like having a well balanced diet in the sense that at the start if you if you start recording everything that goes into your mouth uh you know you'd be surprised at the number of calories that you're consuming this is something that a lot of nutritionists tell you where it's like if if you start recording every single thing that goes into your mouth you'd be shocked at the garbage that you're eating sometimes <laughs> uh, well you're bringing up food because a lot of my friends were in shock when they saw their uh, credit card uh, statements it was usually zomato and swiggy that absolutely. had the highest absolutely and and here's the thing about zomato and swiggy um uh, or any other delivery app right i'm not bringing up names or brands or whatever um any delivery app so uh, the way this model kind of works is that um the delivery partner uh takes a bit of commission from the restaurant because they are kind of facilitating that transaction right this is this is how it works uh so what restaurants do is to bump up the price on the zomato menu a bit so that their margins aren't affected this is a normal standard practice every restaurant bumps up its delivery uh, order prices so that their margins are not affected after giving their cut to the delivery partner so you will notice that if you go to a restaurant and eat the bill is actually a lot lesser than what it takes to come home because there are multiple little payments that you make right whether it's to the delivery partner you want to give him a tip for the trouble then there'll be like some packing charges that the restaurant will levy so after all that you're you're paying a good 20 30% more on your delivery so that's the price of convenience right so um yeah i think uh, if if you look at your swiggy zomato charges like at the end of the month you'd be shocked and sometimes it's it's like oh my god i could have just cooked at home because <laughs> what what a lot of us do i think especially if you're um working and living alone or even if you're like working and small family setup not too much support is that uh, you you might have end up spending on groceries because you're like okay i'm going to cook and i'm going to be healthy and all of that but you end up being so exhausted that you end up ordering from like your swiggy zomato anyway so i think those are all the things that uh, a lot of us end up doing but just to be cognizant of it i think from time to time uh, will help you kind of slip back into those behaviors because uh, yeah and like you said actually looking at your credit card bills and taking note of what you're spending most on is actually a great exercise to do every month absolutely um uh, uh, moving on to the home not just the household uh, you know the pandemic made the home really important for people and many are still working from home and it's become very important to people to uh, to not just have a comfortable home but also a beautiful one you know so uh, what i wanted to understand is because more people are uh, you know find it easier to uh, decorate a home that they own rather than they rent the first question is should say 
younger people between the ages of 30 and 45 consider buying a home or is renting a better option? Uh, ultimately, it comes down to, I think, where you live and what your financial situation is. Because I think the topic of buying a home is something that is really hotly debated. It's a very polarizing kind of topic where some people say it's absolute idiocy to buy a home and you'll have some other people saying it's absolute idiocy to pay rent saying it's just like money that you're giving it giving away and you'd rather pay an EMI um I'm I'm somewhere in the middle in the sense that yes of course it's nice to have a home that you own but is this a home that you're going to be living in because for a lot of us um the home that we would like to live in might be too expensive. You shouldn't be buying a house just because people tell you to buy a house. Is this the house that you're going to live in? Is this a house that you're going to be happy in? And when it comes to that, you would actually find that uh, depending on where you work or where you have to go to work or depending on where your child goes to school or where your kids go to school, that area might be too expensive for you. Uh, so that was uh, what happened uh, with with a, a few people that we knew in the sense that, yes, I would love to own a home, but am I okay with paying that kind of EMI? Because uh, if the EMI is going to be more than 50-60% of your combined uh, take-home pay or your salary, then that is intense financial pressure. Imagine like 60% of your paycheck going away in an EMI and then you have to make do with the rest to not just save, but also to run the house. It's almost like then there's no point in having that beautiful home because it's going to just cause pain. Uh, and not just in the short run, but in for a fairly long period of time, you're looking at 10 years of EMIs, right? So sometimes I would say if even if the home is beautiful, um, if the financial pressure is too much, I wouldn't recommend it. You're better off paying rent and living in a place where you want to be. And these days, I think there are lots of options that uh, uh, home decor brands are offering for rental spaces as well. So I think uh, while you might not be able to get like the tiling of your choice or the flooring of your choice or anything else, I think there are a lot of really flexible options out there that um, brand decor brands are offering for rental homes that can be easily removed and uh, Put back you know without um, creating any kind of damage uh, or causing any kind of trouble to the homeowner for me it's like if the emi is too much just stay away from it, it it's not about um owning an asset or uh, paying rent or it, it's simply about the financial pressure if you can uh get the home that you like in the area that you like in um, a place that is convenient to you and you know you're able to afford the EMI like go for it buy the house but if it's too much and if but if the rental place is just fine like go and rent it like so in in, in my head uh, I think for working professionals uh, you're better off renting like in my head but if you can afford it and if uh, you know if, if there's no pressure on your part like please go ahead and buy it ultimately there's there are no bad decisions here it's simply a decision that works for you i don't think like renting is a bad decision i don't think buying is a bad decision i think what is a bad decision is uh putting so much financial pressure on yourself that you're just like absolutely tortured for like 
a period of 5 to 10 years which is a long time yes and once again so, it comes down to prioritizing what is important to your life and to your lifestyle but would you say uh, there is a market condition that is favorable or that is completely unfavorable for buying a home i don't think so at least um i don't think there's anything unfavorable if anything these days uh, the rents on home the interest rates on home loans um have been at historical lows right there's never been a better time to buy a home but again um i don't think that um, that is a reason to go and get yourself into uh, a massive emi that is going to put pressure on you like i think what it probably allows you to do is explore real estate as an investment option like of course i think more people are looking at it than ever before and uh, if you're the type who's going to be at home all the time and if you, and if you truly believe that this is something that is very important to you i think now is like a pretty favorable time to buy a home it's uh, i think it's been more favorable than ever in the last decade there are lots of new developments that are coming across cities uh there are lots of very favorable developments that are coming around in tier 2 cities especially uh they've emerged as a very um lucrative and and, and like hot property right uh tier 2 cities because more people have been working uh, flexibly you know whether it's um coming into office only once every few months or whether it's working remotely full time um people do have very different working styles now which of which allows them to kind of move to another city that's cheaper this happened a lot in the us uh it's happening in india as well where uh, people in chennai for example <clears throat> can go to coimbatore which is like a tier 2 city uh slightly cheaper but uh, you can get a bigger like people from mumbai are moving to goa and yeah 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 all your tier 2 cities uh, basically are seeing a lot of development um and uh, lots of uh, new buildings new communities so you basically get all these facilities that you could have never gotten for the same price in a metro city um slower lifestyle but you still have everything that you need you are only like driving distance away from the metro as well so that is something that is happening uh so if if you are looking at living a flexible lifestyle or something but you do want to like buy a house you know tier 2 cities have emerged as a, a a very good option because of the amount of development that's taking place but um, that aside i think if if you're in the market and if you're ready with like your big down payment and if you're ready to pay your emis i think uh, it is a pretty favorable time to buy a house that that's a good tip actually and uh, go, uh, moving forward uh, also is there a certain budget that you should have in mind while you're doing up your interiors uh so i think one of the ways to look at doing up your interiors is to look at it as 10% of the cost of the house right i think i think uh, that is like a good benchmark to have but again today i think there's so many options in terms of what you can do with like your furniture what you can do with your walls um we renovated our place recently actually so i'm it's it's been about uh, 8 9 months and uh, that was a very interesting kind of <laughs> process for us in terms of uh, tell us more yeah yeah so uh, we basically renovated uh, our house like last year post pandemic um, because we we were literally emerging 
from the house right so you're like okay now is the time to like really go for something uh fresh and like change up the whole thing because we'd also been cooked up and we were like okay let's let's just do it all um and uh, i think the starting point was how much do we spend and then like uh we put together like what the interior designer gave us in terms of woodwork and then when we looked at furniture and we realized that we were spending at around like 15% of like the market value of the house so if you're buying a new house um i think 15% of what you're spending on the house is like uh, a good measure but not beyond that i think i think staying between the 10 to 15% range should be about right and i would also say do a lot of research beforehand uh simply because um the number of things that hit you when you're renovating uh the number of little costs that are there when you're renovating um a lot of it was very unexpected we didn't we didn't realize that um, blinds for example <laughs> would be so expensive like we were shocked we thought you know like it's just blinds but then the moment we started uh, going around and getting quotes from people that's another tip like don't stop with one vendor if you're like uh, refurbishing especially if you're refurbishing like your sofas and all of that um definitely go to more than one vendor uh definitely find the uh, local guys who can help you out with it uh and uh, also think about the things that you absolutely want for example um incidentally i i have uh, asian paints wallpaper in my house so that was that. we love the brand plug Yes, yes, yes. So uh, we got the Sabya uh, wallpaper from like this. Oh, yeah, those are beautiful. Those are stunning, right? And uh, that was something that I knew I wanted. So when and I think when you're putting together a home, there's just so much thought that goes into it. Definitely, like sit down and be like, okay, these are the things that I absolutely want, and I absolutely will not compromise on. So uh, as it turned out, I really cared about the wallpaper, and I really cared about the lights. but i didn't really care about the coffee table or you know the dining table um so we were able to like cut back on those things that we bought so think about the things that you really want and you really don't want to compromise on for me it was like the wallpaper this really nice console table uh you know that we found and uh, i think the couch was also something that i absolutely wanted and we were like okay living room that's that's your first impression uh when someone enters so we don't want to like um compromise a bit too much on that so we ended up getting the things that we wanted so as soon as you enter the wallpaper comes it hits you so um you got your money's worth it's yeah so everybody sees it first thing as soon as you open is the wallpaper so <laughs> uh i think that was something that we were very insistent on in the sense that uh we absolutely wanted it so the moment we listed that down we were like okay so what what are the things that we care a little less about um for example kids furniture you know that it's going to get um destroyed in a few years because you're living with like a 5 6 year old and that it, it doesn't make sense to like spend too much money on your kids furniture so we settled with like um a lower brand kind of stuff because we knew you know you don't you don't know how how long it's going to last or anything like that but um so one of the areas that we cut down again like i said was dining table because we didn't really care about it that much and the coffee tables also we were like okay it's fine we we don't need like an absolute uh, 
design masterpiece or whatever and then we ended up having a couch from our older place where we decided we didn't um, have to buy a new one we could just get it refurbished we we just changed the um fabric on it and we just get new cushions so those were kind of like the ways in which we um sorted our uh, furnishing out and i think the other thing that i was quite particular on was like the bathroom uh and you know finding the right fittings for the bathroom and uh, i wasn't super particular about the floor tiles so we ended up going for a slightly low budget option whereas i did want like a nicer wall tile so i think there are ways to kind of uh, save and uh, also be smart about when you're buying things because this season right this october september sorry september october november this uh, navratri diwali season every home furnishing brand goes on sale so i think that's another thing if you're if you're doing your interiors i would say start your research also so you know that when brands go on sale and you can buy on sale so um things always go on sale would be my other tip so don't feel pressured to go and like buy something the moment you see it wait it out especially with furniture because um you have to live with it like you literally have to live with what you bought uh it's not something that you just you can hide from so i would say wait look at as many options as possible and uh wait for things to go on sale if if a sale does happen and it doesn't really get discounted then it's fine at least you waited you know because there's a special kind of pain when you realize that you bought something and then like 10 days later it's 20% off you know so uh, yes. i would have <laughs> that and also another important thing though we should add is use the sale time to buy things you need and not things yeah 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 not get carried away need because you think you're saving not get carried away definitely i think especially when you're doing your home it's so easy to get carried away uh because you're like okay i bought a sofa let me just buy these cushions as well and you you realize that you don't have space to store the cushions right um so make sure you're buying as little as possible even during the sale and the other thing i'll say about uh decorating your home is that you're going to be living here right so don't feel the rush to fill up every wall to fill up every space to fill up every corner the space will grow with you so uh, i would say get the basics like obviously you need a couch for people to sit in you need a dining table just get the basics in place but in terms of decor we took it really slow because we were like this is a house that's going that we're going to be living in and we will be going out and you know we're going to be living here and there are things that we will find um, you know we travel so there will be things that we kind of bring back from travel or even some sometimes your parents give you things that belong to them you know uh, i think it's very uh, lovely when you kind of sit with your when you grow with your house and when the house is house also grows with you right and the way that it changes with you as you grow like i would definitely say don't feel the pressure to like fill up every wall and buy all knickknacks and all decor items like at one single go uh not only does this uh, <laughs> save you a bit of money but i also think it allows the house to also change with you so yeah, i absolutely right say, yeah so is do you think art is an art is a good investment so i do like art uh, and i do follow like 
Indian art and Indian artists and contemporary art and all of that. Obviously, uh, like I'm as, as young professionals, you're not going to be going out and buying Raza or you know MF Hussein's or anything. Um, one of the tips that uh, my curator friend told me was uh, look at it, and uh, he said forget the name of the artist, forget forget anything that you know about the artist or the style of the work. If you look at it and if it makes you feel something, that is when you should think about buying it. So that is one thing that I always stick by. Like whenever I look at a piece of art, I'm like, okay, does this make me feel anything? And the other thing he said was that the moment you hang it, you you realize that every morning you wake up, you're going to be looking at it. So is this something you'll never get sick of? Is the second question he said to ask yourself. It's like it's easier it to change you your couch something? rather than the expensive art you bought, right? Yeah. So does it make you feel something? And is there something that you'll not tire of looking at? And the other thing is, I don't think we have to be snobby about buying art. Um, I also think that there are lots of new contemporary artists who are coming in, you know, who might not be very expensive, uh, who whose work is still exciting, whose work still makes you feel things. So I don't think, uh, as someone who enjoys art, I don't think you should be snobby about it. If it's something that you like, like, please, like, you should go and, and, and get it and get it framed and hang it up and there's so there's been a big revival of traditional art forms actually over the last uh, couple of years post pandemic i think all these artists have come out onto instagram so i've been a big seeing a big revival of pitch art for example the cows are everywhere now so um even if that is something that you're interested in there's a lot of tribal art which is very beautiful so i would definitely recommend going to all these exhibitions where you get to see the artists you know come in from all these places india has such a rich history of like traditional tribal art um that i definitely think if if you're someone who enjoys art um please just go and like look at as much as possible see if it makes you feel anything see if it's something that you'll never get sick of you should go get it um while i do you know um recommend buying art as something to enjoy i think investing is something that one should leave to the experts because there are just so many factors that go into how saleable a painting is or how valuable a painting is the style of art the artist artist themselves uh it's it's a very um tight network and uh, i just don't see it as something that i would do and i just don't think it's something one should wade into without expertise or without having people uh you know who can help you make that sale or help you make it happen it's it's a fairly complicated process so that was uh, once again very sage very balanced advice lavanya uh i'll get into a few deeply financial questions uh, now um what is your since you're talking about buying and sales and things like that what is your perspective on uh, you know buy now pay later opportunities are they the same as emis uh so they're like a credit card purchase in in a very oversimplified kind of way the problem with buy now pay later isn't as much the concept as much as it is how it plays in your head in the sense that what bnpl kind of encourages you to do is to spend beyond your means and that is not something that i would recommend of course the idea of paying in three easy emis is very tempting and what it does is that the moment you look at something that costs rupees 15000 for example and it says oh pay over pay like 5000 rupees over 3 months and you think okay 5000 rupees is not much you know i can pay it over 3 months and you end up buying it 
knowing fully well that that this fifteen thousand is not something that you could have bought off in the first place. So I think for me, my problem with BNPL is how it encourages the consumer to overspend to buy things that they don't necessarily need. uh to buy things that they don't ne- they can't necessarily afford so um while it works in a very similar way to a credit card payment uh bnpl is dangerous in the way that it makes you overspend one uh number two is that the moment you kind of miss a payment right the consequences are quite dire in the sense that it affects your credit score and then you know there are these crazy late charges that they that that are levied there are lots of interest interest charges that are levied so it's it's a lot of trouble the moment you kind of miss a payment so i would say just save up and buy it in one go versus going for the bnpl option i just think that uh, what it does is that it it tells you that you're not spending much when you are and and a lot of our budgeting as much as we say use this excel sheet as much as we say use this tool use this app a lot of it is done in the head uh but what bnpl does is that it says oh it's only 5000 rupees a month it's only 1000 rupees a month it's only 500 rupees a month or whatever it is right over the emis so for me uh it it's not as much the technicalities of bnpl as much as it is like uh, the mental effect that it has where it tells you that you know you can buy something that you can't afford You know, tell me, Lavanya, how do you decide uh, if you can afford something? Like, what? So, I read this somewhere that if there's something you want to buy, you should you know that you can afford it if you can buy that same thing four times over. Is that? Do you agree with that, or do you have another concept that you go by to decide if you should be buying something? If you should be buying that dress that costs ten thousand, or a house, or you know? Can you still live your life, right? uh i have a fairly like simplistic view of uh, things i know how much i make every month uh so i think it's a bit difficult for freelancers or for people who have variable incomes that come in but i am a salaried person so i know how much comes in every month my first priority is to push out uh, my savings i know how much i save every month and the moment that 30 to 40% is shaved off my take home i know what's left and based on that so i know what my outer limit is so the idea for discretionary spend is to have an outer limit so i know i won't spend more than x every month on whatever it is so it's like does it cross this x amount is question one then it's like okay is it over this amount or is it under this amount it's different things for different people i think some people say that uh, okay if i if my bank account right now has enough money to cover for this then i'll buy it is what uh, is is something is a principle that a lot of people work with for especially large purchases like say cell phones um these days you know smartphones are like super expensive especially if you're going like the iphone route or something is it so one question that people ask is can i pay for it with my bank account with my debit card right now it directly takes money away from your bank account right like can i pay for it right now and still have money left over for the rest of the month is one way to look at it uh, i think can i buy the same thing four times over is also like a great principle to work on uh, but i think this is this is fairly subjective also because you know these days um people do have slightly different living arrangements like if you're living with your parents for example a lot of people did move back in with their parents after the pandemic and uh, you're not paying rent you're living with your parents so you obviously have more fun money to work with um 
So fun depending money, on- I love that. <laughs> yeah, I call it fun money. So the moment you have like a fun money budget, where you tell yourself, you know what, um, I am going to treat myself, but I'm not going to treat myself over this much. It, it's always about moderation, right? Um, the moment you kind of tell yourself that, oh my God, I'm only going to save. I'm not going to spend at all. Then those those are the times when you'll find yourself going on like some kind of shopping binge because you've been deprived of having fun money. so i always uh, tell people to have fun money like please enjoy yourself live your life but do it within a certain line and that line is something that should work for you and your income levels so um i extreme saving is never going to work for anybody like uh, i always think that the moment you're kind of uh, taken away from living your life and no matter what we say money is the fabric of our lives you know it's the tool that all of us employ in our lives at every single uh instance of of the things that we do we can't we can't do anything without money and that's a fact of life right um i i I've, i've also seen a lot of people roll that limit over where they're like okay this month i'm not going to spend on anything so that next month i'll kind of like put it together and buy something else that's that's really nice so giving yourself a budget to work with uh is really helpful that way because it it allows you to plan and you know you're not depriving yourself right so you don't have to beat yourself up you don't have to torture yourself and i don't think anybody should feel guilty about having fun money either like you deserve to have fun money if you're earning money you know like you deserve it yeah it's got fun in its name there's no need yeah. to feel guilt Yeah, it's, it's your fun. Um, one last question for you, Lavanya. Um, everyone is talking about the impending recession in the US. Uh, what is? What, can you give us a bit more information about it, and how do you think it will affect households in India, and how should we prepare for it? Actually, uh, in two thousand and eight, when the recession happened in the US, um, there was a very big effect in India. so we saw very uh, consequently there was like a big fall in the markets in india as well uh, but what we've been noticing over the last decade is that india has been fairly insulated um and india is kind of doing its own thing at, at this point with with the economy consumption is still quite high the economy still looks pretty healthy so i wouldn't say we wouldn't have to worry so much simply because our markets have become that much stronger that the number of investors in india have uh, increased especially retail investors right so many people got into investing during the pandemic um i wouldn't say that there's any massive cause of worry because at this point we're so used to volatility like markets go up markets go down i think the one thing that i would recommend uh, as a saving tip is to never stop investing especially if you're young the markets will tumble of course it will tumble and then it will pick itself back up the idea is to invest during these times of uh, uh, volatility and during the times that the markets tumble so that you get more for your money when you invest because uh, the prices of your stocks etc fall down at at this point um so you get more for your money so when it goes back up right you your investments do increase in value um at at uh, quite a high percentage so i would definitely say don't stop investing because 
uh, in the short term it might go up and down zigzag but uh, in the long term the line is fairly um, you know linear in that it goes up so uh, zoom out a bit a lot of us who've been investing for like a decade or so have been seeing really good growth despite uh, you know uh, volatility simply because we never stopped investing so i would definitely say don't stop investing if you're putting money in an sip if you're putting money in mutual funds a small amount every month whatever it is that you're investing don't stop don't stop just because um there are threats of recession or there are fears of recession or even if things do fall down keep saving keep saving uh things will go up as they always do so i would definitely say uh, these are all like cycles these are cycles they call them economic cycles for a reason like things will go up things will come down what goes up must come down you know and what goes down will go back up so these are all cycles these are economic cycles and the moment you kind of tell yourself you know what this is a cycle it's not the end of the world um things work out uh, the other thing i would say simply because of the number of experiences i've read after the big crypto crash is to never invest money that you can afford you cannot afford to lose uh, so during this big crypto crash what i heard quite often was that people had borrowed money to invest so that is also something that i don't recommend don't borrow money to invest uh, put away your savings of course uh, but never borrow money to invest or never take away money that's been allocated for something else and put it in investments especially risky investments like crypto etc so uh, i have read horror stories about how um, you know college funds or your college savings for your kid went into crypto thinking okay it's going to grow but you know uh shit hit the fan so um, i would definitely recommend not putting money in risky investments uh not putting money that you cannot afford to lose in in risky investments uh definitely if if you're going to go with a high risk investment go with you know like uh an amount of money that you're okay with losing so uh, this is for risky investments and like all your new age investments that have come up but in terms of like uh mutual funds and uh, stuff like that you know your recurring deposits and all like don't stop them at all during any point of time never play with your kids college fund yeah don't play with your kids yeah, college fund don't play with any of that don't borrow to invest don't play with your parents retirement funds so uh definitely just uh, stick to your own tolerance levels of risk uh but uh, yeah don't stop investing and okay. don't invest in things that you don't understand that you don't understand yes yes I think um we've got some really balanced advice from you Lavanya. Uh so thank you so much for being on our podcast and I think we breezed through this conversation about a very difficult topic. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I hope I hope uh people found value in what we spoke about and uh, I hope more people talk about money, you know, it's the more you talk about it the easier it gets. So please keep talking about money. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So yes, whether it is about buying a home or an iPhone, it really comes down to prioritizing what's optimum for your own lifestyle. Most importantly, remember to save before spending and you will start a cycle of better decisions, including what you buy in the sale season that's around the corner. 
Here's to a great day and some wisely planned shopping. You just listened to the Let's Talk Decor podcast with your host Rachna Nakra. Follow our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Let's Talk Decor is an initiative from beautifulhomes.com, which is India's largest decor and design platform and is a part of Asian Paints. Beautiful Home Services brings customized interior design to everyone allowing clients to create their dream homes with expert designers with the end-to-end management guarantee that's part of Asian Paints. If you'd like to know more about Beautiful Home Service and everything else under the decor category in Asian Paints, then do log on to beautifulhomes.com. This episode of Let's Talk Decor is produced by Nikhil Dintakurti and sound design partner Smart Voice Studio.